I hurt myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain the only thing that's real the needle tears a hole the old familiar sting try to kill it all away but I remember everything what have I become my sweetest friend everyone I know goes away in the Just being there with him and, and the instruction that he gives is just incredible. So. Yeah. 
It was kind of neat, too, because guys would come and train in the gym and then come straight into church afterwards. Yeah. It was just, it was just this crazy. Everybody sat on the other side. You know what I'm talking about. So, anyway, there's a little stinky going on, but that's real church. So, and then you just had one of your big debut fights. I did. And, I did. Uh, official fights. And official fights. Plenty. And uh, tell us, just tell us a little bit about it. Uh, it was an amazing experience. Um, it was on March 30th, and just getting ready for this thing was pretty intense. Uh, training, training itself is just, yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard work, and you know, some of it's like, oh, you're only training for an hour, but you know, you after 15 minutes you're dead, yeah. and uh, you still got 45 more minutes to go, and, and they don't let you quit. I mean, getting a sip of water is like heaven. Yeah. So, uh, but just getting ready for it was just intense, hard work. Uh, my wife was actually uh, a big part of that, helping with my nutrition. I uh, had a cut. I don't know, 20 pounds, I think. Uh, wow. To, to weigh in, and uh, but it that, was that, just, that would eliminate most of us right there. Yeah, I mean, it was. Forget the ring. It was <laughs> the drop of 20 pounds would be worse than getting punched. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, it, it was. It was. You know, and um, part of that is even at work, I had to kind of warn people like, you know, that week I'm just gonna be mean. Yeah. <laughs> just so you know. Yeah. So. You know, I don't know if you find this true, and, and you'll hear from Lou next week, but one of the things he taught me, and, and I don't know if this relates to you, but one of the things that's very interesting if you've never done it is the opponent is not really the other guy in the ring. The opponent is really yourself. Yeah. And it was one of the biggest lessons I learned in doing this is that, so what do I do when he's beating me up? Do I get mad? Do I quit? And it was a draw after three rounds, and yeah. you have to do a fourth with yeah, a broken arm do three rounds. I didn't know they could do that, but yeah. they sure did. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. So, what would, would you say? Tell us a little bit about your schedule, like, because you work a full-time job. You yep. got three boys. Yep. So, how does your tell, take us through a day? <laughs> uh, well, it depends. You know, what time I have to be at work. Sometimes it's between three and five a.m. And so he I work. I would get up. Uh, yeah. Building airplanes. Build airplanes. Okay. Well, tell people to build airplanes. <laughs> um, I, I get up at. 1, 1.30, uh, to work on some cardio, do some weightlifting. In the morning, I go to work, work 8 to 12 hours, whenever they let me go home. Uh, come home and hang out with the kids, hang out with the wife. And then if it was training, well, I would still work out at home. Uh, and then if it was a training day at, at the academy, I'd, I'd go there for an hour or two and, and uh, get my butt kicked some more. <laughs> awesome. Now, uh, let's see. What else would I be? Well, what, 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 give us one thing, and then I'll dive into the message. Give us, I know there's probably a lot. Give us one, uh, one or maybe two, we'll see. But one lesson that you learned in doing an actual fight. Because being in the battle is a whole lot different than preparing for the battle. So what, what, what was a takeaway for you? What's something you learned uh, in your last fight? Uh, one of the biggest things, um, you know, the, all the training, all the preparation, uh, uh, there was a lot of things with this fight that had me a little, uh, I guess, scared is probably a good word. Um, my, so the chief instructor is Lou, who you'll meet next week, but my coach uh, was Mr. Bo, and Mr. Bo told me that at, you know, after I got scheduled for this fight, that they had a vacation scheduled for, that they were going to Costa Rica for a couple weeks, so he wasn't going to be there. So the guy who knew my strengths, knew my weakness, knew how I trained, knew all these things about me, wasn't gonna be there. So I was like, okay, 
Well, Mr. Liu will be there. Well, Mr. Liu is a judge, so he can't coach at all. Uh, so I was going basically by myself. Um, so that was, a, that was a, a challenge. It was something that I knew that was gonna be a, a, an issue, um, and it certainly was. It's, uh, you know, going and, and doing all the, all the training, all the preparation, and then getting there and trying to have to be the fighter and be the coach at the same time uh, doesn't work very well. Yeah. Um, I, I had people in my corner, but they were my two brother-in-laws. Just because you watch UFC doesn't mean you know anything about being <laughs> in the ring and fighting. Uh, and, and they knew that. They knew that. They were like, you know, just tell us what we need to do. And I'm like, and I might write that into this series. Come on. But, uh, <laughs> hey, that's why we do life together here. Amen. Probably outside of that, most people, even if they have no church background, are at least familiar with the story of David and Goliath, right? And uh, so I want uh, that's going to be kind of our, our foundation, and that's where we're going to go. And, and I'm going to refer to being a contender or a giant killer. And, and when I refer to Goliath or giants, I want you to think of it this way. And this is real important as we set this up. I want you to think of it as... What excuses or what obstacles, what giants, what problems, what deficiencies in your mind or in reality are keeping you from being all that God wants you to be? I wish I had more time to talk to Brandon because Brandon's story is amazing in how he, he just has this mindset in which makes him a contagious person to be around that, you know, no matter what insufficiencies I think I have, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to overcome them things. I'm going to learn how... I mean, I would never want to go into a fight where somebody's trying to knock me out without my corner, without my coach. And, uh, and a lot of times we allow those excuses to keep us from being all that God wants us to be. I, tr I hope you'll get something out of this. We don't want you to go out and be a physical fighter, but I want you to fight for your marriage. I want you to fight for your blessing. I want you to fight to be the victorious Christian, the conqueror that God has called you to be. Because where you're at is not where you have to stay. Amen, everybody? And so let's go to it. I'm going to pick up right in the middle of the story, and we're going to uh, uh, dive into the life of David. In 1 Samuel chapter number 17 is the historic and famous story of David and Goliath. And I'm just going to pick up the previous to this. The verse talks all about how big Goliath is. Scholars differ on possession, possessing the victorious living, the success, and the significance that God has for us. Because faith and fear cannot coexist. Okay? It goes on and it says... Uh, 
If, uh, let's see, where are we at? Yeah, go to the next one, or do I have anyone? Yeah, we do. David was the youngest, and three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep in Bethlehem. In other words, he was a servant boy. He went from dad and brought stuff to the, the, the soldiers in battle and came back, watched the sheep, brought more stuff. He was just a, he was just a servant boy. For 40 days the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took a stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, take the ephah off of roasted grain. And anyway, take all these things and take them to your brother. I already explained that. Let's go to the next section of verses. Uh, let's go to verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd. That's a very key component. Loaded up and sent out. As Jesse had directed him. He reached the camp right as the army was going out to get their battle positions. Okay, so I want you to get the picture. Goliath for 40 days has been coming down and intimidating the people of God. And for 40 days all the Israelite, God's army, would go out there and take up battle positions but do nothing. And David happened to be getting there with the bread and the cheese and the refreshments for the soldiers right about the time they were going out to kind of give their war cry, okay? As they were shouting their war cry. Let me give a couple of <coughs> verses. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines and facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were hurt. Like, how you guys doing? Are you freaking out yet? You know, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gob, stepped out. Could you imagine David? Hey, man, how's everybody doing? Here's some cheese. Oh, my. You know, I mean, can you imagine? That's kind of what's happening here. He's hearing of Goliath, but all of a sudden, there he is. Nine foot, six inches. Shield bigger than David. And uh, he came out and he shouted his usual defiance. How many of you know the enemy always wants to defy you to believe what God's word says about you? You can hear the pastor get up every week and say where you're at is not where you have to stay. And the enemy will defy you to believe that. He will. And David, and, and David heard it. Wherever this is, uh, excuse me, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they fled from him. Not a Goliath. They've had to overcome an obstacle. Let me tell you, those things, they just don't come free. They might make it look easy. Uh, I remember we, we happened to have the privilege of knowing Michael Jordan's mother. And he made basketball look easy, didn't he? But I'm telling you, his mom would tell us another story about how many hours he would practice. When he was shooting the movie Space Jam, he had a little building built, uh, uh, one of those... Uh, uh, balloon type buildings, whatever you call them, but and he would go out there and shoot for hours and hours and hours in between sets. Here's what I'm going to say, ladies and gentlemen, we got to know that there's always going to be an obstacle, there's always going to be a challenge, there's always going to be lack of people in our corner. There's always going to be, oh, that person went on vacation. We don't have the money. I don't have the... And we can always have an excuse for not being what God has called us to be. But I want this series to challenge us to be contenders because there is something better on the other side of the Goliath that you face. Would you believe that with me today? And, um, you know, people who have giant accomplishments, they defeat giant obstacles. Ministries who reach great positions, 
they defeat great problems. I did a study one time, and I don't remember where I got it, if it was like who's who's amongst great people, or I had a book called The Conquerors. I'm not sure exactly where I got this, but it listed 413 of the most successful people in the world. And after hearing all of their things, the statistics were this. Out of 413 of the most famous or successful people in the world, 392 of them had to face giant obstacles and overcome major life problems to get where they're at. And if they could do it, and God's on our side, you and God are always a majority, and where you're at is not where you have to stay, and what we have is not all that we can have. Would somebody amen that today? Just agree with that today. So here's what I want to do over the next three weeks. I want to give you the ten do's and don'ts of being a contender, the ten do's and don'ts of being a giant killer. And so we're going to just start off with some don'ts. And, and this isn't like don't do this. These are the don'ts to remind you that I designed it in a way to help you eliminate the excuses in your life. Because it's easy to look at somebody else that's already there, but forget that they didn't start there. So here we are in your notes. Number one, the first don't is that contenders don't start off as giant killers. I know it sounds real simple. I, I know David, all he was doing was going back and forth. He was doing his job. I have a feeling David was on time. I have a feeling that he didn't have a bad attitude. I just have a feeling David did that. We have many people on our dream team for 18, 19 months now. They just come in and set up the coffee. They come in and set up the nursery. They come in and stuff the bulletins. They come in and put up the signs. You know what? It's just being faithful in those things. I think we have a culture that looks at success on a big scale and forgets that success starts. The extraordinary day is built by all the ordinary average days. Being consistently persistent. Just walking through and being faithful in all of those things. For 40 days, the Philistine came. And then uh, go on to the next set of verses here. Uh, because I love... Uh, I love that he says take the cheese and all that. Uh, uh, but there's a part in here that he says he, he left the care to the, to the shepherd boy. And I want you to catch that. I'm not going to read through all the verses just for time. But David was able to go on to greater things because he was able to leave the sheep with another shepherd boy. In other words, David had been training and mentoring. The reason he was able to go to the, uh, uh, to the war was because David left the flock in the care of a shepherd. And he loaded up and he sent out. Here's a key that every one of us need to hear, whether it's in your church ministry, whether it's in your family life, whether it's in your business life. We always should be pouring in to somebody else. And, and I would ask every dream team captain, who are you training to do what you do? Who are you mentoring? Who are you being Paul to a Timothy to? Who are you bringing along in life? You know, there are times in my life where I whine a little bit and get down about, well, I didn't have mentors in my life and I haven't had spiritual fathers. And one day, not very long ago, I was whining about it again. And God said, look, what was, was, but it, what is, is. And he said, you didn't have those things, but that doesn't stop you from being that thing to others. And I have committed the second half of my ministry to walking life and doing life 
with people so that, listen, David would have never gone and done greater things if he hadn't have been pouring into somebody else. And I challenge you, the way you get to greater things is you pour a little bit into somebody else. That's why I started the leadership coaching. It starts tomorrow night. The information is online. It's at Ron and Teresa Dyke's house. And it's just a small group called Leadership Coaching. And I figured after 25 years of leadership, 25 years of building a corporation called the church, 25 years of it, but not as great about doing it. I want you to get the picture. Here's all these trained soldiers. It says they went out to the war cry. Early in the morning, they went out and did the war cry. And so here they are. They're going out to the battle lines. And basically, excuse me, I don't have a better illustration. They're getting all their soldier gear on. They go out to the battle line and go, rah! We're going to get you. You know, I mean, whatever they said. You know, Goliath, this is the day. You're in big trouble, mister. Hey, bucko. You know, I mean, they're, they're giving out the war cry, man. And, and, and you know what? But then as soon as Goliath comes out, what do they do? They go back in the tent and say, you get him. No, I'm not going to get him. God, let's ask Mikey. I mean, you know, I mean, they're, 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 it's, it's, that's what's going on. And, and here's what I noticed in life. We have a lot of people in our culture that have big talk. But I just think it's time to have some walk. Let's just not even talk about it. Let's just do. Let's just be doers of the word. And I'm not just talking about in the church, but it certainly applies in the church. And, 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 and we talk about we're going to be overcomers. We're going to be great. And nothing changes. 40 days, the same habit, the same temptation, the same challenge, the same problem. See, the mark of a good man is not the person that doesn't have problems. The mark of a good person, the mark of a winner is those that say, you know what, I'm going to overcome. I'm going to overcome that problem. Here's the question. It's not whether or not we have problems. The question is, do we have the same problems this year as we had last year? Uh, is Goliath still intimidating us? Is that temptation still intimidating us? Is it still coming? Or are we overcoming that so that line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, we're, we're journeying toward the things God has and elevating our walk with God. Is everybody grabbing that today? And uh, he just kept on coming back. And you know, the more he came back, the more he intimidated us. And the more that you refuse to deal with that challenge in your life, the bigger it becomes in your mind. So I challenge you today, deal with it today. Deal with the Goliath today because you and God are always a majority. Come on. Are you hearing that one today? All right. Let me give you one more today. Um, let me just say this to you. Number two, I'm, I'm missing a little there. But number two is contenders don't listen to critics. If you listen to critics, you will never accomplish anything in life. There's a great part of the story here that's found in uh, 1 Samuel 17, verses 28 through 33. And I'm going to paraphrase, but give me just a little bit of When Eliab, who's David's oldest brother, heard that... And then there is also the Goliath, and he's the one that's over us in ability. And you've got to watch out for all of those kind of critics. It's very interesting. When I left Michigan in 2007, there was a lady that attended my church... And, and I'll just say, just to be nice, her spiritual gift was finding a problem in every solution. How many know? I said that exactly the way I meant to say it, all right? 
She, that was her spiritual. I'm being a little facetious. But when I resigned, she sent me an email and told me how I was out of the will of God and God couldn't bless what I was doing and, and on and on it goes. Four years later, fast forward, she happened to be on my Facebook and, and I was moving back to Michigan to plant this church four years later. Four years later, she wrote me another email and she still had the same spiritual gift. How many know what I'm talking about? And she wrote me the same time. How could you think you're in the will of God? First, I was out of the will of God because I left Michigan. Now I'm out of the will of God because I'm coming back to Michigan. And just wrote me this nasty, nasty note. And I had to learn to overcome the critics. So it, it's nice in, 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 in the computer world because you can just delete them as a friend. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? All right. So anyway, in the name of Jesus, of course. Okay, so anyway. All right. So uh, we got to get by the Eliabs. Now watch this. Eliabs are those that are, when it's an emotional critic, Eliab is criticizing his motives. Eliab is a friend, a family. It hurts when somebody in the family of God accuses you. It hurts when somebody in your flesh and blood accuses you. It really hurts when they're accusing your motives. Did you see that? Eliab was like, hey, what do you think you're doing here? Now, I know your motives. You're so conceited. How I many know we want everybody to judge us by our motives, but we usually judge others by their actions, right? And man, Eliab is just really challenging his motive. The second critic we have to get by is Saul, and um, and Saul is very interesting. Uh, verse number thirty-eight. I don't know if you're following me because I'm kind of everywhere here, but then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. And, and basically, Saul's telling him how to fight the battle. You've got to watch out for the Saul's in life. Because the Saul's in life are the one that want credit for what you do. The Saul's in life are the ones that refuse to go do it, but they will tell you how you should be doing it. Saul is hiding out in the camp, his armor, and he takes his armor, his methods, his way, and puts it on David. And, and, and you got to be careful. You don't need to take advice from those that aren't. There's always going to be a better business. There's always going to be a bigger church. And if you let those people and those things intimidate you, you will never be all that God wants you to be. I had this wonderful privilege a uh, week before last. Patty and I flew. I think we were there for 24 hours. It was a fast trip all the way to Tampa. And we were doing this little leadership thing that we've got invited to be a coaching part of. And our keynote speaker and uh, we got to be a part of was Tony Dungy. Many of you that are sports fans know Tony Dungy is an NFL football coach who took uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and turned that franchise around and then led the Indianapolis Colts uh, to the Super Bowl. He said something that day that I thought was fascinating. He said the year we won the Super Bowl, uh, he, he, he said this, he said, the year we won the Super Bowl, we were not the most talented team in the NFL. He said, according to stats and what was on paper, we were probably maybe fifth, but definitely somewhere more around sixth of the most talented, best team in the NFL. And he said, the best team is, or the winning team, the championship team, is not the person with the most talent. It's not the person with the most money to spend. It's the person, it, it's the team, rather, that gets everybody moving the same direction. Here's what my takeaway was. I'm not the best in probably any area of life. But I'll tell you what. If you'll keep that dream and that passion. 
and determine in your life, I'm going to be a contender, and there is no Goliath, there is no demon in hell, there is no circumstance that's going to keep me from being all that God wants me to be. I'm going to break a generational curse. I didn't know how to be a dad, but I'm going to learn how to be a dad. I didn't know how to be a husband, but I'm a contender. I'm going to learn how to be a husband. I'm going to go to marriage retreats, conferences. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever it takes, and I'm not going to let those that are better than me intimidate me from even throwing my hat in the ring. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Come on, give the Lord a good hand. Let me just give you this one. I won't speak much to it, but it's in your notes. And it says, uh, number three is contenders don't get overwhelmed by 